Hello, friends, and welcome to episode 617 of the Juice Box Podcast. Today's show features Katie. Katie is a young mother who has type 1 diabetes. And we will talk about all things type 1 diabetes and babies. Babies from a parenting perspective, type 1 diabetes from a person's perspective. My thoughts from my perspective. You'll listen from your perspective. And we'll all form new perspectives. Please remember while you're listening that nothing you hear on the Juice Box Podcast should be considered advice, medical or otherwise. Always consult a physician before making any changes to your healthcare plan or becoming bold with insulin. I need you to go to the T1D Exchange and fill out their survey. T1DExchange.org forward slash juicebox. You have to be a U.S. resident who has type 1 diabetes or a U.S. resident who is the caregiver of someone with type 1 diabetes. If you are those things, your answers to your completely private questions that are HIPAA compliant will help people living with type 1. And they'll benefit the show. T1DExchange.org forward slash juicebox. This show is sponsored today by the glucagon that my daughter carries, Gvoke Hypopen. Find out more at gvokeglucagon.com forward slash juicebox. The podcast is also sponsored. Well, I just got shot out of a camera. The podcast. Hold on. Sorry about that. Let me lighten that up a little bit. The podcast is also sponsored today by the Contour Next One Blood Glucose Meter. Learn more and get started at contournext.com forward slash juicebox. There are links in the show notes and link and link and link. What was I saying? And links at juicebox podcast podcast. What is going on? There are links in the show notes and links at juiceboxpodcast.com. If you can't remember, contournext.com forward slash juicebox and glucagon. Dot com forward slash juice box. Hear him right now? He's I'm like re- cooing a little bit. Yeah, I'm going to record right now. I don't want to miss it. Okay. <laughs> so you're being recorded. All right. So you are well, holding a nine-week-old baby? Yes, I am. Oh. So it has been quite the nine weeks for sure. Really? Well, we'll talk about it, I guess. Um, yes. <laughs> so we'll just let everybody know that we're hoping the baby's going to fall asleep and the baby might not fall asleep and we'll see. Yes, I've been doing my best, but, you know, babies are unpredictable is what I'm learning. Yeah, no, you're figuring that out, are you? <laughs> yeah, you know, because, like, when I scheduled this with you, I was still, I don't even know if I was in my third trimester yet. So I was like, oh, yeah, by then all should be fine. Like, we can do a podcast recording. I was very ignorant to, you know, yeah. what it takes to take care of a baby. Katie, <laughs> First child. <laughs> here's when you'll be fine. There'll be a split second before your death where you'll feel calm, they say. <laughs> You're like, I made it this far. They're still alive. Yeah. I mean, like, even if it's like 65, 75, 80 years from now and you're old and withered and you're like, oh, I think yeah. this is it. I'm slipping away. You're still going to be worried about something or somebody right up until the very moment you go, oh, wait. And, mm-hmm. and then it's over. <laughs> so, yeah. Making a baby is the sure way to be worried for the rest of your life. That's for sure. I know. It was funny. Uh, have you seen that movie, The Quiet Place? I have. 
you know, it's like all of, I, I had watched the first one whenever it came out and my husband and I just watched the second one. And I was like, this is not a movie for a new parent. So all it is, is about like the parental fears you have of like, you know, taking care of your children. And I was just like, man, I, all of a sudden now I know what it feels like yeah. <laughs> to yeah, be constantly a, worried. Yeah. That's what they call a dumpster fire. So, yes. um, <laughs> and, and it's, uh, it's just the magnification of it is something you're not prepared for really. Yeah. You it's Because you've been worried about other things before in your life. Exactly. Right. And, you know, we're going to start daycare. So that's a whole new thing to start worrying about. And then I'm sure it just gets harder, not easier. Yeah. Well, I mean, I don't want to rain on anybody's parade, but <laughs> I haven't felt it get easier yet. And my kids are 21 and 17. So. Yeah. Oh, I mean, my parents tell me that about myself. They're like, we're still worried about you. I'm like, well, now you should be worried about me because I'm taking care of a child. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Because, because there aren't laws to protect this baby from me, and I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> I know. They, you know, just chucked us out of the hospital. They didn't ensure I was a fit parent or anything. <laughs> it's, it's apparently up to you. Well, tell yeah. us, tell everyone your name, then we can get started. Although, we're pretty started. My name is Katie, and I am a type 1 diabetic, diagnosed as an adult. How old were you when you were diagnosed? 27. Oh. Um, so, I had the classic misdiagnosis of type 2 diabetes. Mm-hmm. Um, it was very strange. I was showing no symptoms. I actually just went into my yearly physical and did the blood work and everything. And then like a week later, she was like, your blood sugar is 400 diagnosis type two diabetes. This was all in the portal, by the way, like not like a phone call to like break the news. I was like, what do you think? <laughs> I was like, this is a lie. I was like, I, and I didn't know anything about blood sugar. I was like 400. I was like, so I called him. I was like, listen, I know I was supposed to be fasting, but I had like three donuts before I came in. I was like, so I think that's why my blood sugar is 400. And like the poor nurse is like, oh, honey, like donuts shouldn't put you at 400 if you don't have diabetes. Oh, honey, three donuts. That's a different yeah. indication of a different problem you have. <laughs> I know. I know. Exactly. Uh, and so like, then I... You know, thought I had type 2 diabetes. I came in again for like the A1C. The A1C was 9.1. Um, still like no symptoms really. Like if anything, I had been like slightly gaining weight, wasn't overly thirsty, wasn't going to the bathroom a lot. Um, so it was still just very strange. Um, but you know, the A1C didn't lie. So I was like, okay, I guess I'm type two and went on like a super low, co- low carb diet. Um you know, was doing finger pricks and no insulin. Um, but then thankfully my mom was like, convinced me, she's like, you need to get into an endocrinologist, um, you know, just to see, um, if this could be type one. And I was like, and still at the time I didn't know much about diabetes. So I was like, no type one is what you get when you're a kid. And I would have known I had this. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, she persisted. And so I was like, fine, I'll make an appointment. Um, but Ironically, like it was hard to get into the endocrinologist because they were like, oh, like, are you having trouble like controlling your diabetes? And I was like, well, no, actually now I have it like really like good on this low carb diet. Um, and it's because I was like honeymooning. So like my numbers were looking great. And they're like, well, we don't really like to see patients until like you've been working with your primary for a while and like things just aren't going well. <laughs> you know, that so- <laughs> you're making me think of two things. Okay. First thing. I love that your mom was right, and now you're yeah. holding, you're holding a baby, and one day that baby's going to look at you and be like, no, I think you're wrong, lady. You don't know what you're talking about. Yes. That's fascinating. Um, that That's the circle of life, in case anybody's wondering. And the second thing is I started thinking, you know how they say um, 
you hear people say constantly, like, teachers are underpaid. We, it's an important mm-hmm. job, and we should pay teachers more. That, that's an interesting statement because they don't mean we should pay bad teachers more. They mean we should offer more money to be teachers so we get Good really, teachers. really qualified people to be teachers. Yeah. I was just thinking maybe doctor's offices should more value the the knowledge of the person answering the phone. Yes. And and not 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 to say that the people doing the job right now couldn't be coached up and taught. Mm-hmm. But but maybe maybe I, I you know I've listen I'm the person that makes phone calls for everybody in my house and I talk to I speak to doctors and if you want to know the difference between me calling Doctor Benito who was on and did the thyroid episode with me and speaking to mm-hmm. her and a experience I had just last week just trying to set up an MRI for my son. I was speaking to a person at the ortho at the ortho that I don't know understood what I was saying. And when I asked a simple yes or no question, I, I can't I don't want to out anybody like horribly, but I asked a simple <laughs> yes or no question. I said, is it possible that your pre-certification department, which by the way, my insurance doesn't need a pre-certification, but we'll get that let's let that go. Um, mm-hmm. my, my question was, is it possible that your pre-certification department has not yet reached out to my insurance company? That was the only question. Is it possible that they haven't reached out yet? And I am not lying to you. 35 words into her third sentence, she had not come close to answering that question. And she was trying so hard to use big words and sound like she knew what she was talking about. And all of this effort was going into, it felt like her trying to make me believe that she she knew what she was talking about. Yes, 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 Katie, yes. Okay. (laughs) And so I'm lucky for her and lucky for me in the world that I've matured because 30 years ago, I would have been like, you're not answering my question. And I would have just said it again. But instead I said something very polite. I was like, oh, you know, I think I, I wasn't very clear with what I was asking. I just want to know, is it possible? Blah, blah, blah. And I swear to you, she launched back into that diatribe again. I was like, oh my God, imagine if I were to get mad at her or feel mm-hmm. frustrated, or maybe I'm not a great communicator, and now we have two bad communicators talking to each other. How often does that happen to people? Oh, I'm sure every day, which is why they you know, try to use big words to make it sound like they're the assertive one knowing what they're talking about, you know? Yeah, um, no, for certain. I'm sure they deal with all sorts of people. I'm telling you, I forget, te- not forget teachers, but we should pay admins more money at doctor's offices. <laughs> yes, that's I my, agree. And new- I'm sure that like she, like they always have a full schedule at this endo office. I'm sure like they're told like only make appointments for like, you know, certain type of deals and whatnot. But oh. I, I even had a referral from my uh, primary because I went back to my primary and I was like, hey, like I just want to get uh, more. I, I had to phrase it into a way. I was like, I just want to educate myself more on this. Like, can I go talk to an endo? Like, instead of just saying like, hey, here, where's my, you know, slip to go see an endo to get this taken care of? Like, I really had to like sweet talk my way into it. And then I had to convince the woman on the phone. I was like, you know, I just, let's just make an appointment. Let's just see, you know, it's like, it it was like, it shouldn't have been that hard. And all, of course, I'm doing this so that I can tell my mom I made an appointment. (laughs) But like, Uh I could have easily been like, oh, I just need to see if I, um, are sh- struggling with this for a while and then call back in a year or when I'm in DKA, you know. I want you to remember that feeling the first time that kid <laughs> you're holding is like, you 
do not know what you're talking about. You're lucky to be standing up. I've been watching you since I was a baby, and I don't even know how you're not dead, lady. You can't make one good decision. I have the whole world figured out already. And, oh, I love that you made that appointment to shut your mom up, and she was right. Yep. <laughs> oh, yeah. She was definitely right. Yeah. Did you ever she, tell her so, yeah. how you felt? Did you ever, have you ever told her this? Oh, yeah. Okay. Uh, she knows. And, like, she was, like, relieved, uh, relieved too, that, like, you know, she was right in that. Because, like, the type two just didn't make a sense. Like, I didn't have the characteristics of it. And, yeah. you know, but then, of course, she got, went straight into worry mode again because, you know, this well, is Well, now there's something thing. really to worry about. Now, yeah, now, exactly. Now you know, honestly, I was spot. hoping for type two because I was like, type two seems easy to manage with diet and everything. I was like, this type one is, you know. Yeah, going to be a lot more of a learning curve. Right. It's isn't it interesting when your um expectations start dwindling. What you're mm-hmm. what you're willing to reach for. You're like, you know, yeah, I, <laughs> like, you know, really, I'm okay with being sick, but not you know that sick or something. <laughs> I I, uh, I went from living a perfectly normal life for 27 years to wishing for type two diabetes. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's really it's very interesting how your how your brain starts bargaining with yes with whatever all all of a sudden. So how long yeah. ago was that? How old are you now? I'm 29 now. Oh, so, this is two years ago. yeah. Wow. Were you married so, at the time? I, I am married. And actually, I was um, engaged uh, to my husband. We've been together for five years. But so he's been through all of this with me. Um, and we got married last August. So we're coming up actually in a month. It'll be our one year anniversary. Hmm. Good for you. When you're diagnosed, and we have a three month old baby, if you can do that math. <laughs> I can do all the math. Don't worry. Yeah. <laughs> You're under 30. You just found out you have type one. You've been married very recently and mm-hmm. you don't listen to your mom. I understand everything yes. that's happening. Don't you worry. I'm on top of this conversation. I'm bright eyed and bushy tailed today, Katie. I'm good. Um, good. So does it, hmm, when you learn that you have diabetes, do you ever have the conscious thought, I wonder if this guy's going to stay with me? Yes. Um, actually, I mean, it's kind of sad, but like his um, mom has passed away and she was really sick and he took care of her through her cancer treatments. Mm-hmm. Um, and that actually all happened pretty much before we got together. So I, um, I got to meet her one time, but like, um, I didn't, I didn't know her. Um, and so of course I had this feeling of like, he had to take care of his mom. Um, I was like, I don't want to feel like he has this feeling he's going to have to take care of me. Oh. And so, you know, that, that's something we had to like work through and we've been in a couple of therapies uh, for a few years now. Um, and, you know, something that we addressed and like, I, you know, it turns out it wasn't a concern of his. It was just myself feeling like I didn't want to be a burden. Wow. That's interesting. So it wasn't him. You answered yes to the question, but it wasn't him. It was you. It was me. Yeah. So you thought he already went through an illness. You didn't did you think he wouldn't want to do another one or did you think that I just I think I was more like concerned for him and his mental state of like he already had to go through like an illness where he was a primary caregiver and then like so of course his self got put on the back burner I was like I don't want him always feeling like he's on the back burner and taking care of somebody else okay um health purposes but of course like that's why we have these conversations and communicate to make sure that like his needs are being met too. And then we realize like, it's not, you know, like right now, like I take care of my diabetes, like he's very aware, but it's not like a situation where like, he's like, wait on me hand and foot over this or anything, yeah, you know? Yeah. No, I understand. I, and so your, your knee jerk reaction, although very understandable ended up not really being a concern. Correct. Yeah, no, he's been great with it. Like he doesn't understand like 
you know, how much insulin I need for certain meals or anything, but like he, um, is very accommodating to like whatever I'm asking for. And then like, he follows me on Dexcom follow. And just yesterday I had a compression low and he called me. He's like, you're in the forties, wake up. <laughs> so, uh, I was like, it's not real. It's fine. <laughs> Has he been more, um, attentive to it since the baby's born? Uh, I think so a little bit. Since it's just, you know, me and the baby at home, he was like, that's the last thing I need is like for you to answer your phone. When I see this, Katie, I was when, like, I know <laughs> when my son was born, I realized in a flash that my wife was just a girl I met. And to <laughs> her, I was just a guy she met. And that, uh-huh. and that baby was hers. Yep. And I felt like that baby was mine. And I was like, well, we can't let this girl mess this up. And I bet you she was thinking, I can't let this dumb kid I met mess this up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. All of a sudden, you become very aware of um, where your attachments are are 100% and where they are 90%. And it's very, mm-hmm. very interesting to watch it happen as you build a family. And 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 I was just thinking he was probably like, oh, I love Katie, but I don't want her to like pass out and roll over on that kid. <laughs> so, <laughs> Well, he's also saying like, I can't do this on my own because he's told me that. <laughs> like, he was like, oh, oh, yeah. I need you to take care of yourself because like, uh, you know, he spent an afternoon with him by himself. He's like, I can't do this by myself. Oh, Katie, <laughs> sorry. I'm sorry. I thought that was implied. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that too. You yeah. know, and I'm his like milk machine. So like, you know, <laughs> I got to keep producing that way. <laughs> if you don't keep this train rolling, he's going to go broke just buying baby formula. <laughs> exactly. It's it pretty is, expensive from it, what I hear. <laughs> it is very expensive. Actually, diapers too. Like, oh my God. Uh, yes. I remember when we didn't have to buy diapers anymore and I felt like we got a raise. I thought oh, I like, bet. we should buy something. We have all this extra money now. Um, have you ever heard Jenny talk about getting low in a store and while she's holding her baby? Yeah, she like sat down in a dressing room or something and like, had to touch her husband right on the floor in a in a in a place and started like doing tabs because she's yeah. like I'm going to go down and she just so she's like she got ahead of it. Um, that yeah, I've had experience like that in a store with him. I was pushing the stroller and I was just like, uh, and then like reached into the diaper bag and grabbed my jelly beans. Jelly beans. Oh, nice. Yeah. Donuts aren't very uh, <laughs> portable. Gvoke Hypopen has no visible needle and is the first pre-mixed auto-injector of glucagon for very low blood sugar in adults and kids with diabetes ages 2 and above. Not only is Gvoke Hypopen simple to administer, but it's simple to learn more about. All you have to do is go to gvokeglucagon.com forward slash juice box. Gvoke shouldn't be used in patients with insulinoma or pheochromocytoma. Visit gvokeglucagon.com slash risk. A few evenings ago, Arden's blood sugar began to drop after she got in bed. I got the little beep-beep from her Dexcom. I looked at the graph and I thought, I think this is right, but I want to check. So I pulled out her Contour Next One blood glucose meter. Here's what I did. Got a test strip. I got the meter. A little click-click on the button, make the light come on. Nice bright light in a pitch black room. I was able to use the meter light to see how to put the test strip in and to see where her little finger was. Then I went click, click, little squeeze, squeeze, use the light again to find the blood drop, touch, 
beep. And seconds later, I had confirmation. Contour Next One Blood Glucose Meter. It is absolutely my most favoritist blood glucose meter that Arden has ever had. Arden's had diabetes since she was four. She's 17 now. This is the meter for me. And she seems to love it too. It's simple to carry around, easy to use. It has that bright light. The screen is easy to see in light or dark. And it has second chance test strips. So if I were to like miss that blood, get a little bit of it, but not all of it, doesn't matter. I could go back and get the rest and it would not impact the accuracy of the test. And that accuracy, by the way, is legit. That thing matched right up with the CGM, and I was able to make my next decision with a ton of confidence. Head over now to contournext.com forward slash juice box to learn all about the Contour Next One blood glucose meter. It's possible that you're paying more now through your insurance than you'd be paying in cash if you just bought the thing cashy cash. And the test strips I'm talking about. You got to go find out there. The website, it walks you through the whole thing. There's like a little calculator. Tells you the whole deal. This meter is legit. It's amazing. Uh, I, I know it's hard to talk about a blood glucose meter like it's amazing. But this one does the job. It does it well. Super accurate. Easy to carry. Easy to use. Great at nighttime viewing. Love the screen. And if you want a place to keep all your details the data that comes from those tests those tests that's not a word but i'm going to keep going you can download the free app that goes with the meter you can use the app or you don't have to use the app it's entirely up to you but uh it's bluetooth goes on your phone you'll see it's there go check it out it's a great uh great little website do yourself a favor get an accurate meter you're buying those strips anyway you might as well get a good one contournext.com forward slash juice box Links in the show notes. Links at juiceboxpodcast.com. Support the sponsors. Support the show. That was one take, first take, baby. You should buy a meter just for that. Can you believe I just did that? Talented. There is nothing written down in front of me. I was all off my head. over a year to have a donut again you know i was a little scarred <laughs> oh i bet you i bet you you were like oh my gosh look what i did with these donuts did you I have, know. did you have that thought yeah, yeah. well i'd be like it was more like just a joke of like you know uh donuts gave me diabetes like i understand that's you know not, not the case true. but yeah. you know like after looking at my since i was such in a honeymoon phase like in doing my own readings like my morning numbers were good if i had gone in with my fasting number it might not have been over 100 mm-hmm. so it was actually a good thing that you know i scarfed on those yeah, made, made <laughs> three somebody, donuts yeah, and- made somebody pay attention I, I i hey those donuts may have saved your life katie exactly that's, we'll go with that <laughs> i have to tell you you should get older and your body tolerates food less and less which I know was probably hard to like wrap your head around when you're 30, but you know, there'll be a day where you eat pizza and you're going to get like multiple messages from your body that says, please don't do that again. <laughs> I hope not the pizza. I um, love it so much. And, and that's how I think of sweets now. Like if my body would have had the reactions to food, that's not good for me when I was younger, I'd be a completely different person now because now like the idea of having something super sweet like that. Like it was Arden's birthday last week and we got her cupcakes mm-hmm. and they're not just cupcakes. They're like cupcakes from a place where after you pay for them, you think 
I don't think cupcakes should cost this much money. You, you know, <laughs> yeah, like three dollars a cupcake. You're like, what's <laughs> happening exactly? Yeah. And, and there's you know there's icing on top of it. It's piled and thick, and though know, it's not just cake, it's got cookies in it. Like it, you know, it's just a bomb of sugar. And you know, her friends are over one night, and they pull out these cupcakes, and I'm like, well, I'm going to eat a cupcake because mm-hmm. it's Arden's birthday, and I'm going to eat this cupcake. But as I was eating it, I thought. No, I don't particularly want this. <laughs> so, um, and and I just know that if I would have felt that way about sugar when I was younger, I don't know how much different my life would be or or, or not. But I'm just saying, mm-hmm. I I can't get it in anymore. You know, a little bit of red sauce, and you're like, ooh, I should do that earlier in the day. Um, you know, you start having thoughts like that. It's not fun, Katie. Uh, but the 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 highlight of it is is that while that's happening to me. My children that I've put my heart and soul in for my whole life are just sitting around me, supporting me and thanking me for being there. <laughs> that's not what's <laughs> Right. They're yeah. You, you can tell me that some lies can be through the days. <laughs> yeah. No. Yeah. They're just going to give you crap constantly and test every fence. They're like the raptors in that Jurassic Park film. They just run around, touching the fence, touching the fence so they can find out how to get through it. And that's the good kids. The bad kids, literally the cops oh. show up at your house. I know. I, I'm, I'm scared. Do you, how, how were you as a young person? Were you like a reasonable person? Were you a child? You know, I was a teenage girl, which I'm sure you know what that's like. And it's just, you know, the back talk. Like I was a good kid as far as like, I didn't like get kicked out of school or have the cops called to the house or anything. But, you know, like I would talk back to my parents and just refuse to do anything like that they said. So yeah. um, I was actually kind of relieved when like I found out we were having a boy because I was like, I know nothing about boys. Like, I'm sure it's still going to be extremely hard, but I was like, I know how hard I was as a girl. So at least for this first one, I might not have to relive that. <laughs> Generally speaking, the hard areas just line up differently across the calendar is all. So, okay. Yeah. So you balance it out with your boy and girl, like different times. <laughs> yes. They're constantly a problem instead of a problem at the same time. <laughs> so, but like little boys, you could get one of those really energetic ones and they're they're something because they just go, 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 go. And they're like little like monsters that punch things. Like if that happens, I mean, I don't know what you're going to do. <laughs> but, yeah, I know. Yeah. I, I have my, some friends that their boys are like that. And it just, they, yeah, they run circles in the house right. just trying to tie themselves out. <laughs> I think you just save up a little money. You buy something with a fence outside of it and you just uh-huh. release them like they're <laughs> feral basically you keep them clean and don't let them escape uh-huh. and then the law can't say anything to you and it's fine so i got that from parenting magazine october 1987 <laughs> <laughs> um well okay so let's talk a little bit like you you've got diabetes had you thought about you weren't married yet so you probably weren't thinking about babies yet well yeah we were already engaged and had planned our elopement um this is time like peak covid so mm-hmm. like we um and I had always wanted to do an elopement anyways, because the idea of like saying my vows in front of a hundred plus people just didn't sound like relaxing and like an experience I would like be fully present for. <laughs> uh, so like, I it was like perfect excuse. I was like, no, I can elope. And so we went out to Colorado and had a gorgeous elopement, but um, we had been talking about like kids. And of course, like now I'm having thoughts of, well, I think I can manage my pregnancy through this. Um, but then it's the fear of like, well, what are the chances that my kid would have type one diabetes? You know, for me, this was a complete shock. Um, no one in my family um, that I know has it, um, but my dad was also adopted. Mm-hmm. So there's like half the family history that we're missing there. Um, and so like, I just did some research on like, what are the chances? Um, and then just kind of had to come to like, 
uh, understanding and like comfort with myself of like, okay, like it could happen, but like, do I want to have a kid more than the fear of him one day having type one diabetes? Right. I gotcha. So how much of that hmm, did it play in at all? Like, was there ever a moment where you're like, I'm not going to have a baby because I don't want the, that. Or did you not entertain that thought for long? Um, yeah. I mean, like it took like a couple of months to like, just think about it. And sorry, he is hearing that I might've not wanted a baby. and <laughs> cry about it. I knew it. I knew it. Yeah. He was like, I do. It was too good to be true. He's already taking notes about how to get on you when, when he's yeah. off the talk. Uh, yeah so it but I had honestly I found your podcast really early on um and so like I had already been listening to like episodes with you and Jenny um and then like um the other series you had done um with a woman with type one and her pregnancy so um I had like I'm the type of person too that I just dive into research so like that's how I comfort myself when I'm like questioning something or just like need to understand it more Mm -hmm. so I just kind of dove in and like learned a lot um and then I wouldn't say it was too long. I mean, we got pregnant right away after our wedding. So. <laughs> well, I I feel like you said something earlier. You said if you were in a big like wedding, that isn't something you feel like you'd want to be there for and be fully present. And I felt like what mm-hmm. you were saying was you'd need to be a tiny bit inebriated in one way or another to get through that. Oh, for sure. That's what you're saying. <laughs> okay, I want to make sure yes. I understand. Um, so, so, so hearing Samantha's story about her pregnancy – and and listening to Jenny made you feel confident that you could could get it done. Yes, and I had already gotten my A one C down to um, in the fives wow. really quickly, um, and that was with like MDI um, and was still honeymooning, so that helped. But um, yeah, I was confident in my ability to manage the pregnancy and that my insulin needs because. Um, that was my, I was in control of that. The fear was the things I was going to be not in control of like my son's health one day. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it was never really concerned of like, I wonder if I can manage my type one diabetes and pregnancy. Now that I have um, him here, I am concerned about any future pregnancies. I was like, it's gonna be a lot harder than that first one when like, I didn't have, you know, a kid to take care of and I could like pre-bolus the exact time I needed. And now it's like, I don't know what I'm going to eat. <laughs> You don't know when you're going to do anything. No, um, it's usually noon before I can brush my teeth some days. <laughs> who, who showed more concern about having a baby, you or your husband? Uh, with concerns of health? Yeah. I think my I did. He um, he was just kind of like, if it happens, we'll deal with it. Boys. Uh, yeah, exactly. I can't pre-plan <laughs> anything. Um, <laughs> uh, that's, that's what I expected to say. I was just, I, w- I was wondering. So how did you find it? Like once you, first of all, were you just on like a mad tear after you got married? Like, were you like, did you on purpose make the baby? Let's say it in front of him. Was he, was he an accident, a happy accident? How do you uh, attribute his, his, well, I, I was no longer on birth control, so we weren't stopping it. Gotcha. Uh, but also I didn't know like how fast it would happen because I have friends have been, you know, trying for a while to conceive. And so just like, let's not like look at calendar dates to make sure that we're, you know, doing it at the right time. But right. apparently we did. <laughs> Lucky you. Well, when you're first married, yeah. you're going to hit the time at some point. So exactly. Yeah. yeah. No, I, I hear you. So, okay. So it happens. Yay. Everybody's yay. Mm-hmm. How about your mom? Was your mom like, no, <laughs> or is she? Yay. What did she say? Yeah. You know, honestly, she, 
she was more concerned for my, my own health. And I think that, you know, she watched, what's that movie that like, I still haven't watched it um, where the woman like has type one and dies after pregnancy. Oh, uh, it's the Julia Yeah. What is? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So I think she's like seen that movie and like, was like instantly afraid or something. Right. Uh, Julia Roberts died know. in a movie once. Oh yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, well, and she's still like, this is so new. It's not like um, she had been dealing with this with me. Right. Cause I, I mean, I ended up getting pregnant, like basically six months after the official type one diagnosis um so she's still trying to and like you know she's not around me we live four hours apart so she's not really seeing like how well i'm doing with it and i think she was just concerned um how was your doctor when you were like how do you when you go to the ob and you're like hey i'm pregnant and i just got type 1 diabetes it's my year getting all kinds of gifts <laughs> like is did they seem yeah scared? so unfortunately i well i mean it was fortunate at the very beginning i had the best ob because she was also type 1 and i was like this is match made in heaven. Like she understands like what I'm going through. And then second trimester, she moves to Texas <laughs> and I'm not from Texas. So <laughs> that I was so upset. I was like, no, like now I have to start over with somebody who doesn't understand. Uh, I mean, it ended up being fine, but yeah, I had actually gone to her um, before getting pregnant just to kind of get some consultation on like, what should I expect with type one and pregnancy? Like, um, since I'm so new to this, do you think that if I had a pregnancy now, it would be easier versus if I waited a couple of years and she was basically like, you know, it doesn't really matter if you wait or have one now, like it's, you're gonna have the same challenges regardless. Um, so she was really good in the beginning and talked to my endo, um, about what my goal should be. And so I, I definitely prepared. Um, I just didn't know I was preparing for something that was going to happen in the next couple of months. I thought it was going to be for something the next like six plus months. Mm-hmm. No, wow, jeez, oh, we okay, okay. So you're pregnant. There's no going yes. back. There's no going back. We're done. <laughs> nope. What's the What's the first? Does your insulin? I mean, you do you? Where's my question? Do you feel like you were honeymooning still? Yes, right. Yes, I. What's so crazy? Like I don't wonder. Like now, like if I'm gone back to honeymooning, or if it's just like the crazy like hormone changes after pregnancy. But so, but pre-pregnancy, um, I was like Tracebo only like three units a day. And then like, I basically had to like beg them to give me uh, mealtime insulin because they were like, but your numbers are so good. I was like, yeah, because I'm eating low carb. Like I'm basically on a keto diet and I don't want to spike because at this point I've, you know, done my own research. I know how bad that can be for my health long-term to have constant highs so I was like, until you give me mealtime insulin, I'm not going to experiment with food. Hmm. Um, and then also um, I wanted to have a CGM and insurance wouldn't pay for it until I'm on at least three um, injections a day. And so I was like, well, if you write me this script for mealtime insulin, then I can also get my CGM. Look and at, so, you know, yeah. look at you talk my way into that one. <laughs> Good job. That's excellent. Um, yeah. So do you, so you think maybe if you were to have another baby, it would be a completely different experience maybe? I think so. Uh yeah. I think, well, I ended up going on Omnipod um, by the second trimester just because my insulin needs to, like I, at the end of my pregnancy, I was on sometimes 200 units a day. Like I was going through a full pod. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it got to the point where I was actually giving myself manual injections for bigger meals. So that way I just didn't have to change my pod like every 24 hours. Okay. Uh, it was a lot. Um, and now now I'm not pregnant. Like there's some days where I don't even hit 10 units a day. Yeah. The breastfeeding has an impact on that. Yes, definitely. I did listen to that episode. Yeah. Um, I really appreciated that postpartum um, pro tip series. 
Uh, well, I would the say beginning it was like very unpredictable, and now it's just kind of leveled out, which is good. Right. I would say thank you, but Jenny was like, "We have to." Oh yes. Pro- <laughs> she, she told me, and I was like, "Okay, done. Don't worry about it." I've never argued with her once. Like, yeah, no, thank you, you know, to Jenny for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah thank Jenny because I wouldn't like. There's some episodes where I'm like, "Hey, Jenny, you should talk now." <laughs> and then <laughs> I say things that pop into my head as she's speaking. Um, but that's excellent. Well, I'm glad it was helpful to you. So first trimester, and eh, did it ever get really, did it go backwards? Because you're saying you made like big, you had to make some big boluses with a needle to hold on to the, the insulin that was in your pump. And did it, at the end, does it trail away again or no? No, I mean, the resistance was there throughout all of third trimester. I would say the second trimester, I would go like back and forth, you know, like Jenny has mentioned, um, and I did read her book, um, the type one, um, and pregnancy, which is really helpful because it does talk about how every week, like your body changes, your, you know, little embryo like is changing and, you know, gets into the fetus and all the hormones. And so it was like, you would nail it by Friday and by Monday, it's like all a whole new ball of games. (laughs) Like it was constantly changing. Um, but sometimes I would not need as much insulin for meals. So it's just a constant, guessing game um and then hope you get it right which most part i normally did right. and then of course the fighting with my endo because she was like you're having too many lows i'm like okay but what was she calling low? Uh, so i mean i would drop down to like 55 mm-hmm. um but i would also catch it before like i would catch it at 60 so it goes down to 55 and then like 15 minutes later it's back up Bounces, yeah. and i try to explain to her like because of my cgm because of the alerts like I know this is happening and I'd much rather have this low than fight with a high that's not going to come down, especially with this insulin resistance. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, you know, my lowest a one um, throughout pregnancy was 4.9. And I was so proud of myself. And of course, I just get like this look of disapproval from her. She was like, it's too many lows. I'm like, <sighs> it's just like, you want to be like happy and you want somebody to like, be like, good job. And then they just say like, oh, that's too good. <laughs> yeah. So I started off by saying we should... We should get the entire staff up to the level of the doctors, but we should get mm. the entire staff up to the level of somebody who wouldn't make you feel bad for getting a 4.9 A1C while you're pregnant. <laughs> Instead, right. they, they should it, be like, wow, I, good for you. Yes. And I know there's liabilities and like, she probably doesn't want me to be like, she probably knows like, oh, she, well, first of all, she doesn't really know me. Like max in the past two years, like how much time she spent with me, maybe 45 minutes right. throughout all of my appointments. Cause they barely last five to 10 minutes. Um, so she doesn't know if I'm somebody who's like, oh, I'm going to push it even farther because of how well I'm doing it. So she's, you know, trying to air with caution. But yeah, I think one of the things that was like kind of rewarding and then also like disappointing at the same time was um, in the hospital, which we can talk about the whole um, labor and delivery thing too. I had not her on staff as the endo, but somebody from her office um, and the other um, endo came to talk to me um, and she was like, yeah. Uh, Dr. Smith, she says you're a rock star patient. I was like, well, she never told me that. <laughs> like, that would have been nice encouragement to have. <laughs> <laughs> All I heard, well, well, how much of that do you think is that's what you heard? I, I not just to turn it around for a second. Like, if mm-hmm. she thought you were a great patient, but you feel like all she did was tell you what you were doing wrong, is that, is there some blame on both sides? Maybe, but I mean, honestly, I think. Like I said, I barely spent any time with her um, in the appointment. So, like, there wasn't a lot of, like, pep talk of, like, you're doing great. Keep it up. Yeah. Um, and then 
I would send in my blood sugar weekly for her nurse and team to like analyze. And that was a frustrating part too, because then they would come back with suggestions on like how to correct my um, ratios and whatnot. I'm like, but all you did was look at my graph. Like there was no questions about why this high happened, what I was doing beforehand, how long did I pre-bolus? Or they'd look at the lows and like, well, you're lower on this time. I'm like, okay, that's because I pre-bolus too long. And then, but you see it goes immediately right back up and then it starts to go high because of my meal. And so there's just so much elements missing that like I personally do based on like, you know, Jenny's book and like the podcast and just like what I just have learned throughout this whole journey. But I was like, you're not really telling me anything. Like, yes, you're talking, checking off that you're looking at my numbers weekly, but if I would have gone based on your suggestions solely alone, I would not have achieved day one season. I did. Right. Yeah. I understand. Uh, is it, here's my question. Is it harder to be a type one while you're pregnant or to be a type one while you have a newborn? Harder in different ways because while pregnant, it's definitely so much more focus on achieving those really great blood sugars. Now it's like, okay, well, if I'm high for a couple hours, like, yeah, it's not great, but like, you know, I'm only harming myself right now. And I know it won't be like this forever once I get back into a pattern and a routine. Um, and then while pregnant, like I mentioned, like you just change constantly. So like you think, okay, I figured out my ratios. I know how many units I need for this meal. And then next week you have to double the amount of units you need. And that part is just constant, like rework. Mm. Um, but being type one with a baby, I'm not as focused on myself. And I think that is in general for all new moms, not just type one moms, of course. Um, and so it, it is harder to be as regimented as I was. Yeah. Um, but I'll get back there. Good. Yeah. I, I would think that you just don't want, like you said, until you get back into a uh, rhythm, you just want to make sure that the rhythm you get into isn't the one. Uh, oh, wait, hold on. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, 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 so we're halfway through the episode. Is this where you tell me the baby's name is Scott? <laughs> no, potential Damn. middle name, but it, uh, it didn't work out. Uh, it's okay. <laughs> Don't worry. I'll live. <laughs> no, his name is Miles. Oh, that's a good name. Congratulations. Yes. Thank you. Yeah. And the baby noises he's making are so cute. <laughs> they are pretty cute. There are yeah. so many men whose wives listen to this show who are going to get lucky tonight because of this. <laughs> Yeah, I know. It's like you f- forget like how cute they can be when like it's the middle of the night and they're screaming and you get peed on and everything. And then I'll look back on my phone of like the thousands of photos I already have of him. I'm <laughs> just like, oh, you are adorable. <laughs> Keep flicking so you don't remember that you smell like pee. That's a good idea. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I uh, I watched Cole uh, throw up in Kelly's mouth once. <laughs> oh gosh. I I know it's gonna happen. You know. It's, <laughs> Thankfully, knock on wood, he hasn't uh, been too much of a spit up baby, but yeah. that changes. Of it, course. it didn't stop him from, you know, it doesn't stop them from saying the stuff that uh, that you're like, oh, I can't believe you would say that. I've dedicated my entire life to keeping <laughs> you happy. <laughs> <sighs> yeah, it's a fool's errand making a baby, but congratulations. I'm just teasing. You're fine. It'll be. It'll be <laughs> yeah, wonderful. I mean, can't turn back now. <laughs> be a little complicated. <laughs> Can't turn back now. Oh my gosh. Do you ever hear teachers say that, like, you know, that they know when they have a certain number of teachers, just like one of the kids is like a little psychopath? <laughs> like, just by, <laughs> just by, you know, sheer numbers. Um, uh-huh. You know, you're just, it's funny. We talked about earlier about your brain 
like negotiating with like, oh, I'll take type two, please. You know, right. Wait till, wait till five years from now where you're just like, oh, I hope I don't have the weird kid. I hope I don't have the weird kid. <laughs> yeah, that we had that moment right away in the living room. We're like, oh, man, we ended up with an ugly one because, <laughs> you know, they come out like real squirmy looking and like we were just like, oh, I, I just hope he's cute. And like everyone always says your baby's so cute, but no one's going to say you have an ugly baby. And we were just afraid that we would have a baby that only parents could love. And turns out he actually was pretty cute. I just tried so hard to hold my laugh. And I wonder if you could, <laughs> if you listen closely, if you'll hear me under my breath, like cracking up. Um, yeah, because their brains, you know, their little heads come out. Like, yeah. Yeah. They're not quite the shape they're going to be after the little soft part, except I'm not a doctor, if you understand. But they come out a little mm-hmm. squished because you're hooch. And I don't mean to use a technical term here. <laughs> Is not the size of a head, so right. it has to fit. Through. Oh yeah, and then covered in gunk and everything. And oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's it's horrible. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> and I had like a forty eight hour labor because I had to be induced, being type one, oh, and so geez. I was like, so exhausted. That's um, it's like almost midnight, and I'm just like, look at him, and I'm like, I feel like I should be crying out of joy, but like. Can someone I take just this can't. kid so I like, can go I'm to so sleep? T- yeah. <laughs> I'm just like looking at him. I'm like, so that's what you look like. <laughs> All this for that. I'll be damned. <laughs> yeah, that quickly went away and that was good. But <laughs> I'm sure I'm sure you were happy at first. Did you have any um, postpartum depression? No, not yet. Um, I think uh, I've also, I've been taking Zoloft um, just for my own anxiety uh, issues prior to type one in pregnancy. So I took it throughout my pregnancy as well. Um, and so I think that helps baseline me a little more. Um, I also have heard that like breastfeeding, um, can kind of taper off postpartum depression, but then once you end up weaning the hormones change again, then you can actually, uh, be a risk factor again. So. So you just keep an eye out for it. Yes, exactly. Right. Oh, okay. Uh, Zoloft, you said. Yep. Couldn't take it during the pregnancy though. Right. No, I could. It was actually um, the one antidepressant that I think is like recommended if you're going to be on one to take during pregnancy. Interesting. Did your dose change during the pregnancy at all? No, I was already on the lowest dose. Um, And if anything, it probably would have gone up um, if my needs required it. But I just continued the same dose. And they said the only risk factors for him would that he potentially come out a little more chill. And I was like, well, I'm fine with that. You mean he might not cry as much at the very first couple days? Yeah. yeah. Uh, so. Anything that gives me a break in the beginning, I'm up for. Sounds right. Exactly. To me. You are really exhausted when it's over 48 hours. So they induced you and nothing happened? Yes. So um, it was protocol that type one don't go past 39 weeks. So on week 39, checked into the hospital, still zero centimeters dilated. My body was not prepared to push out a baby. Um, like if I didn't have type one and, or didn't have to be induced, like I'm sure I would have gone past 40 weeks just because of how not ready my body was. And so they do, I can't even remember all the ones, but it's like one where they try to like soften the cervix Mm -hmm. and it stays in for 12 hours. So I check in Monday night, get that, um, next morning, nothing had progressed, like still not dilated. The cervix isn't soft enough. They're like, okay, we're going to do another one of these. So it's another 12 hours. Second one, still not going great. <laughs> and at this time I had a nurse, I'm pretty sure was training because um, she had another nurse following her around the whole time. 
and she um, made it very uncomfortable for me, uh, just like pain management wise, because <laughs> uh, she kind of messed up on this like gel that she used. Um, so my, I was in a lot of pain already. It's 24 hours. And I had already stopped eating because I had to stop um, once I checked in mm-hmm. the night before. So then they were like, okay, now we're going to do this like pill type thing that they put up your cervix to like, those are only four hours. Um, so have a couple rounds of that. And then finally start Pitocin Tuesday afternoon after checking in Monday night and then have him at 1144 PM. Mm. Oh, yes. That's a arduous process. And you think if you just would have waited, he would have just popped out on his own probably at some point. Yeah. I think I would have had like the typical, like, Oh, my water broke at home and yeah. off to but the doctor. There, like I'm not done yet. <laughs> yes you don't want to eat this banana yet it's got that weird powdery taste still <laughs> wow oh, and it's just like it was nice to have an induction day because like i could prepare like my parents were able to come into town um instead of just like oh don't know when this is going to happen but um yeah. i definitely was not a fan of the induction process right how and about, then yeah how about um, afterwards what was it like what were your blood sugars like immediately after giving birth so they Definitely went back to pre-pregnancy, like pretty much right away. Because in pre-pregnancy, I was more like one to 20 um, carb ratio. And my basal dropped back significantly where I was like almost just stopped giving. Like I was giving the minimum mm-hmm. amount at some points on my Omnipod just to like have something going in there. Um, it was just constant up and down. And the so then afterwards, like I'm still in the hospital for like two days um throughout the recovery and everything i'm getting like a hospital food and then i'm on like diabetes protocol um where they have to even though i have my dexcom they have to check my blood sugar once an hour with a finger prick and they would only do it before meals never would do it after meals i'm like so what's this telling you (laughs) and like in the hospital i knew that they were not gonna like the levels that i wanted to be at and so i actually let myself ride higher just to like get myself out of there i was like i'm just gonna ride at like 120 and there were some meals at like they would come check it right before it wasn't like 15 to 20 minutes before and i'd be at 140 and the nurse would be like oh good job you got good number like 140 before a meal <laughs> you know like i don't think that's good but like there was just some things i just had to grin and bear it just to get out of there <laughs> I, I was I, like uh-huh. i'm uh, endlessly fascinated that people give people medical direction based on something random somebody told them once and she's like 140 good job yes and then you know right. there are people who don't know and who sit there and think oh 140 good job good yeah, yeah mm-hmm. that's good now did you yeah, have and this is before a meal she has no idea what i was after that meal yeah and the food like... they feed you is so good for you so that was the other thing. It was bad food. And then they gave me the menu each morning. And so I would like want all the muffins and carb based stuff because I was like, my insulin needs are hardly anything. Let, let's carb it up. And <laughs> it would come back and the piece of paper would say like change for dietary needs. I was like, no, who are you telling my dietary needs? They were like, put me on like the diabetic, like regiment uh, diet. I was so mad. This and my time. I, I, yes. I'm going I'm to eat a muffin now. And need no- I know you people are killing. Did you have people smuggle your food in? Oh, for sure. I had pad thai one night and, you know, my husband would go out and get food and everything. And so I definitely ate what I wanted to and controlled it. And then just would tell the nurses like, oh yeah, I gave myself this much insulin. <laughs> Did anyone pay attention to your Dexcom during the birthing process or was it something you used? So I was really adamant going in that I wanted to be in charge of my diabetes care. I was like, I'm here because you guys are in charge of getting this baby out of me. 
but I'm the one that I want to be in charge of my diabetes care. Right. And I had talked to my OB. My OB was on board. She was like, I agree. She was like, you should be the one managing it. You're the one with it 24 seven. Um, I'm comfortable with that. However, the hospital policy is that you have to be on an insulin drip. And I like was so upset by that. I was like, I do not want to have, um, someone else be in control when they don't know what they're doing. They don't. Yeah, exactly. And I talked to my endo who this all is part of the same hospital, like center. So like, you know, they all know the same policies and whatnot. And my endo was not very sympathetic as far as like, she's like, the insulin drip will be fine. Like she was not trying to like, Oh, let me see if I can write something. So that way you can Mm -hmm. be in control of it. Because she kept trying to say like, well, yeah, you're in control of it throughout the day, but you know, this is like a whole new experience. And like, you want to be focused on like labor. I was like, well, I'm going to an epidural. So I'm not focused too much on the pain. (laughs) You know, I think I'll be able to manage this. Um, well, also, and, how much time do they think you're thinking about your diabetes constantly? You know, like right. It's, it's just like I need to check it. Like every like at, my plan then was like every five to ten minutes, just like check to make sure like what's the Dexcom saying? Like, are we going anywhere? Right. Um. So, anyways, I get to the hospital and like I made it very known. I was like, I'm going to be in charge of my care. I'm keeping my insulin pump and my CGM on. I even signed documentation saying that I wouldn't sue them if something goes wrong. Well, apparently that did not go over well with the hospital. And <laughs> they, even though I signed that, they were still very adamant that I needed to be placed on an insulin drip hmm. and have my finger stick every hour, which I was like, fine, stick my finger every hour. Like, I'm not going to, like, that's inconvenient for me, but I'm not going to say you can't do that. But it was insulin drip I was really concerned about. Right. Um, and then since I had such a rough 24 hours trying to get some dilation going with all those cervix treatments, I was so exhausted. I had no sleep the entire time and an incredible amount of pain. And my OB comes in and she's like, Hey, they weren't going to start the epidural until after Pitocin when it starts to get really bad. She's like, I, you're exhausted. You're already in all this pain. Let's start the epidural now while we continue to wait for your cervix to soften. Um, and Pitocin wasn't going to start until later that day. She was, and I was like, okay. And I felt good. She's like, but if you do this for like, if I do this for you, we're going to have to get you on an insulin drip because they're not happy about you know, wanting to manage it yourself. And so after 24 hours of no sleep, I just like gave in. I was like, fine. <laughs> if you're going to drug me, I'm okay with whatever you say. Next. Yeah, yeah. I was like, fine. I was like, I'll, she was like, you'll still have your Dexcom on. So like, um, and you'll know what your sugars are. And I actually had a really great team of nurses for the actual delivery, not minus the nurse that put me in all the pain in the beginning, mm-hmm. um, where she, every time she did a finger stick and would plug it into, so it's called a glue commander is the system they called it. Um, I'm not sure if this is in other hospitals, but it's the insulin drip that actually has a drip of glucose in it too. So she would once an hour type in what my blood sugar was, and then it would give a reading of what the basal should be. And so she knew how stressed I was about this, giving over that control. So she would always tell me, she's like, it's telling me um, I should adjust you from 0.3 to 0.4. And I would look at my Dexcom and I would like, that's the exact same adjustment I would make. So I felt comfortable. Like she would like, not necessarily confer with me. That was the right thing to do. Cause I think she would have done whatever it said. This to. <laughs> um, but <laughs> the fact that she was like allowing me to be part of it. Um, and then it ended up working really well where I was within 10 points of a hundred the entire time I was like, Oh, in active labor. So you were like, give me the glucomander forever. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, and I think I've heard you mention on a podcast before that 
the next like evolution of pumps are probably going to be like a little bit of a glucose strip too, because when you start to go low, instead of needing to, you know, have a juice box, if it just puts in a little um, glucose in for you, like it can keep you really steady. And that's basically what this machine did. So I hated to admit in the end that I was like happy with it and would do it again uh, because I put so much on site to like be in control of it myself. Can I take this home with me? (laughs) Yeah. Um, But like it was giving the same basal rates that I would have suggested based on, you know, how I've been managing. So it worked out. I actually just looked it up. It is a, it's a medical device. It's a whole system. Mm -hmm. It's really kind of fascinating. Um, Yeah. You should have probably shut up and taken that like 25 hours (laughs) before. I know that I could have gone through all the like not having the stress and <laughs> hey, say, look, I want to take care of this myself and can't unless you have the by the way, the name is just I I'm looking at the name of this thing and the person who named this must have just been in geek heaven when they came up with it because it's <laughs> GLU commander. It's glue Com- yeah. commander. <laughs> they must have been so pleased with themselves they're like oh we'll call it the glue commander it'll be amazing um but no that's i had never heard of that before that's pretty amazing and yeah there are places working on pumps that are you know considered dual chamber that have insulin and glucagon i think that i mean uh, i don't know anything meaning nobody's told me something that you don't know but Mm -hmm. i think the advent of stuff like gvoke you know, um, right. Glucagon that it's liquid stable is a big step towards that because I know that years ago they tried this with the glucagon that was available on the market and it didn't last in the pumps. It just, oh, okay. it, it degraded too quickly. So now that it won't degrade, will people start looking into it more? I mean, maybe I still don't understand about the delivery of it if I'm being honest. Um, but I, I, it's gotta be worth people looking at. Mm-hmm. You know, like yeah, you said, and I wonder what they use in this machine at the hospital. Um, yeah, as far as what if it was just like a glucose like drip in general that they just hooked up there, but yeah, they um, that might have just been giving you glucose and and insulin. Plus, yeah. it, it, plus it, they're they're mainlining it to you, so it's way more mm-hmm. way more efficient. They're probably using uh, smaller amounts to move you around. Um, that's really uh, listen, cool. I'm glad people are working on things and I'm glad you had a good time, but I understand you wanting to be in charge of it yourself. You know? Yes. I mean, you know, I feel like, especially like everyone who listens to your podcast, part of the Facebook group, I know that we all feel like we are a lot more empowered and educated within our own diabetes um, routines and regimens that it's just so hard to like surrender that. Sometimes when, especially when you have experiences where like, oh, 144, that's a good blood sugar right before your meal or oh, you're 4.9 while you're pregnant. That, that's, that's too low of an A1C. So like, you know, Listen, you get some distrust for sure. Katie, I'm going to tell you a secret. Okay. <clears throat> Let's make sure nobody's listening. I think my, <laughs> it's been a couple of years now, so I'm probably okay. But Arden had a little cyst removed from near her fallopian tube in a, proce- mm-hmm. in a procedure that I think... Uh, you know, soup the nuts took 35 minutes. I think Arden was only out for about a half an hour. And it took me a couple of nurses. I had to explain it to a couple of different nurses till I hit on one who's like, my friend's got diabetes. And then suddenly they're like, yeah, do whatever you want. I've heard those words <laughs> before. It's very interesting how it worked, you know. Um, but at the very end, I, I was speaking to the doctor and I was like, look, this is a automated system because Arden w- uh, was using a loop at that point. And I said, um, 
it's doing it for like if it notices your blood sugar going up it's going to give her insulin if it notices your blood sugar going down it's going to take insulin away like it's mm-hmm. going to keep her really she goes okay I, um but you know can you shut that automation off and i was like oh yeah you can shut it off i could just give her a, a constant basal rate and it won't take away she goes let's do that during the procedure i was like okay and then katie um, you didn't do it. i didn't i lied left yeah <laughs> Yes. I was like, let no, me shut I, that off for you. Click, 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 click. Here you go. Keep this phone near her in the operating room. They put it in like this like sealed bag and they mm-hmm. kept they kept her phone near her in the operating room. I said it's you know within Bluetooth distance, closer the better. Um, you know, and I even showed them on the screen. I was like, if this gets red, it's not connected, get it closer to this, you know, to her. I showed them where the Dexcom was, the whole thing. But yeah, I, I left that algorithm run. And her, blo- sure. and her blood sugar was terrific during that procedure. So, <laughs> well, that's like basically what I would do when I had my weekly blood sugar check-ins with the endo office. They'd be like, "Oh, you're high around here. Change the space right to this," and I'd just say, "Okay, thanks," and then like still continue to do what yeah. um, I felt was best. <laughs> when we when we walked out of the room when they took Arden away, uh, and Kelly and I were like, well, "Let's go downstairs and like we'll get something." That- we basically went to the cafeteria and stared at Arden's Dexcom follow up. <laughs> no, yeah, that's pretty much what we did. <laughs> Um, uh-huh. so we're walking down the hall and the nurses are going one way with Arden and we're going the other way and it's very tense, you know, cause I mean, it's just a little procedure, but you know, Still, yeah. stuff happens, you know, so you're really worried. Mm-hmm. And my wife goes, um, uh, it was cool of her to leave, you know, to understand the algorithm, everything. And I understand her wanting it to be off. And I was like, oh yeah, I didn't turn it off. <laughs> she, and my wife's like, what are you doing? I was like, it'll be fine. Don't worry about it. <laughs> Yeah, that's no, because if something did go wrong, you could jumped in and turned it off. Well, no, I guess at that point you couldn't know. Well, I did with I, loop. I so I did have Night Scout, so I could okay. I could have made adjustments to her basal if I needed to remote, right. remotely. So I paid it. But it was a thirty time. minute procedure, you said, so it wasn't. Yeah, I mean, but they could have yeah. gotten in there, and there could have been like a Tonka truck in there or something weird. <laughs> and it could have taken longer, right? And, True. Uh, and did I do the wrong thing? In hindsight. Uh, yeah, probably. But, you know, like, but during that procedure, her blood sugar tried to rise and it stopped it. Mm-hmm. So did I do the right thing? Turned out to be, you know, yeah. if if she was going to be in there longer, I might have tried harder to talk her into leaving it on. And maybe I would have shown her how to shut it off. But this was a half an hour. I was like, oh, I'm rolling the dice here. <laughs> so, yeah. Anyway, this is definitely not medical advice, this part. <laughs> Ignore your doctors. <laughs> no, plus I know nothing. I mean, people, listen closely. My senior year of high school. My senior year of high school. I missed 53 days of school. I, oh, my gosh. I went to work instead of going to school. 53 of the senior, th- those days. You probably shouldn't even be listening to this podcast. <laughs> I mean, honestly, you may I think be, there's only like 100 and some days of school anyways, right? <laughs> uh, yeah. You're probably breaking a law by listening to me. So what do you think of that? So. Anyway, is there anything that we have not spoken about that we should have? And will the baby make any more cute noises or is he asleep? Uh, he's currently asleep, but I can see those eyes like dancing squint. Yeah. You know, like they're darting back and forth underneath the eyelids. <laughs> so, no, I think I just really wanted to like kind of share like how my experience was while pregnant. Um, and then especially the um, labor and delivery, because I think that was the thing I was missing the most, um, like your podcast and everything is great. I almost wish there was a subgroup for like pregnant juice boxers. <laughs> so that way, cause I was in some like pregnant C uh, type one diabetes Facebook groups, but like, it's not the same uh, information support you get from the juice box community. Yeah. Uh, and so 
uh, I'm really thankful that like uh, you and Jenny had been doing more episodes about pregnancy. Um, so I could like use the bold with insulin methods, um, for that. in this new way. That's great. That's very cool. Can I ask you a question? Sure. Does Miles eyelids still have the little white dots on them or is that gone? White dots? No. Yeah, like, you know how their skin looks like little plucked chickens at first? Like, oh, yes. And then all the baby acne and everything. Yeah, that's gone. <laughs> yeah, for the oh. most part. I can't believe your kid coos. Way to let curses at you. Like, <laughs> oh, with my husband's mouth, that's going to be like look, before he's over. Look, fr- <laughs> look that baby in the face right now and try to imagine that there will be a day when it looks right at you and goes, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> oh, I know it. <laughs> Yeah, I've actually told my husband, I'm like, hey, like maybe let's practice not cursing so much around him. So that way when the time comes, like you don't have to just cold turkey it. He was like, I have to cold turkey cursing. And I was like, well, I'd like him not to have his first words. <laughs> it can be curse words. You don't want so. the first ones to be good. We uh we made the we. I made the decision that I wasn't gonna change. And Kelly was like, You should not be cursing in front of the kids. And I was like, I know. Mm-hmm. But I love the curse so much, Katie. It's hard to put in words. So. I think that's how my husband is too. And like, I mean, to give him credit, like he is a very respectable adult in a business place. It's not like he's just around cursing. Like he knows how to act. And like, so even though he grew up like in his family, like probably cursing and he was, I don't know if he was allowed to curse or not, but like he knows how to act. So like you can teach a kid that like, you don't just get to talk like this. <laughs> I want everyone, every man to listen, listening to hear how, how we're spoken about. He knows how to act. Like he's almost like he's like oh he won't pee on the rug if we're only gone for an hour don't worry about it he knows what to do I um yeah. I listen I'm not saying that I'm in the grocery store trying to reach the eggs and you're in front of me I'm like motherfucker get out of the way right but, you know, like, <laughs> in my mind I might be thinking it exactly <laughs> but no actually being honest as I get older that goes away too it must be really? testo- it must be testosterone. Oh, you're, yeah, not as strong. So the compulsion isn't there. Yeah, I don't feel like I have to kill, conquer, or make something pregnant anymore. Like, it's a much chiller way to be. You've just given up a little more. (laughs) It's not even a give up. It's just like you don't have these desires to do those things. Like, I, you know, but I can definitely see how people my age start talking about you need to find other things to do with your time. Some hobbies. Well, because... Do you want to be depressed for a second, Katie? <laughs> I mean, you've got some sure. soul off going. You can handle it. Yeah, we're good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I'm done. I'm almost done doing all the things I'm supposed to do. Mm-hmm. Like like from a from a nature perspective, right? Like I I saw a girl, thought she was pretty, tricked her into having sex with me, made a baby, kept the baby alive. And now, you know, more 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 up-to-date terms, I'm paying for college. Mm-hmm. So, you know, supporting them as they figure things out. Like, there's going to be a moment, right, where Cole's 21. Like, it's probably going to happen in the next, I'm guessing, four years where he's just going to, like, have a job and make his own decisions. And when something comes up, he's going to ask somebody in his life, not me. And Arden's not far behind him. So mm-hmm. then what is my purpose after that? <sighs> well, you wait for the random phone calls you get because I still... I mean, it's just, that's true. Like I, once I started like my own career and everything, it's like, you've become so much less dependent on your parents, but there's yeah. still times when like the dishwasher's broken. You're like, I got to call my dad. Yeah, so that's, <laughs> that's real world stuff. But I mean, like, 
circle of life stuff. Yeah, I'm that's dumb. true. Well, does he have a grandparent, maybe? <laughs> yeah, I don't know what that means. You know, they're not going to... I just told you, they're judging everything you're doing. They don't want you near that's the true. kid. They're going to be like, oh, he's going to screw that kid up like he screwed me up. Like, that's <laughs> yeah. exactly what they're going to think. Um, yeah. Yeah, I. Uh, we were so close to calling this Scott makes a a postpartum lady cry, but you, you held, you handled that pretty well. So, and I wasn't trying to make, as I'm saying it, I was like, I shouldn't be saying this to her. She's probably still flooded with hormones. And I'm like, what's your real purpose, Katie? Aren't you going to be useless in 20 years? <laughs> I think right now it's still so far for me to even imagine that, that it's not hitting too close to home yet. Cause like right now I'm just like, can we get through the night? <laughs> no, I, com- I completely understand. There's, there is no reasonable way for you to, imagine what I'm talking about where you are. If you would have said that to me when Cole was three months old, I would not have, I wouldn't be able to conceptualize anything you were saying. I would have thought, no, I'm going to be alive forever. My whole life is going to take forever, (laughs) you know? And uh, it turns out like, you know, a couple of bad years at ER and uh, (laughs) the next thing you know, it's 10 years later. You know what I mean? (laughs) I mean, I understand that I don't understand because people would tell me like how much changes once you have a baby and like, you know, I wasn't able to like picture it. And then it is like this feeling of like, yeah, nothing could ever prepare you Mm. for what changes whenever you become a parent. And so I have no doubt that there'll be plenty more experiences like this as he gets older. That's like, I could not have been prepared for this. Even if you would have told me exactly what was about to happen. Yep. You have to absolutely believe that the passage of time brings understanding and that's wonderful mm-hmm. and the passage of time makes you older and allows you less time to use your understanding and that's terrible like there are these like everything yeah. everything in nature is competing like everything like we've been joking about it for an hour but you're gonna love this kid so much and that kid's gonna know it and yet you're going to have conversations where you're like, I don't understand why, why is this even happening? Like, like why, why when your kid hits 20, do they suddenly feel like, well, I have to push away from these people a little bit. Like I have to prove to the world, to myself that I can do this thing. And, and as it's happening and it will feel terrible to you, you'll also have this amazing feeling of, oh, look, he's becoming independent. Everything's mm-hmm. happy and sad at the same time. There's no main line. You don't get, there's no life heroin where it's just like pure like ah they just this is probably as close as that comes to that is that baby so soak it up it's really really cool you're gonna like you're gonna have such an amazing experience and i i wish uh i wish you nothing but excitement and happiness and i hope the kids first words aren't son of a bitch but other than that, <laughs> they probably will be <laughs> no but i really appreciate that i am trying to like take time each day to be like hey it's not always fun but let's enjoy some yeah 30 uh, minutes here and there the most honest and trite words i've ever spoken in my life and many people speak them as well as it goes by really fast mm-hmm. so um you do your best to slow it down i guess uh but try not to slow down the bad parts don't let those go by really quick and slow the good parts down. <laughs> yeah you know the 2 a.m like scream fest or you know like that can yeah. leave oh, that's <laughs> terrible does that happen yeah he doesn't like to have his diaper changed in the middle of the night which i get but like when you're having a blowout like it can't really uh yeah just let you sit in it <laughs> i gotta be honest with you i've never as an adult pooed myself in my sleep but if some lady was to take off my underwear in the middle of the night i think that would be fine 
I, I <laughs> yeah, but maybe frightening if you're still asleep. <laughs> I'm probably thinking of it differently than Miles is too. Uh, but yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I'm guessing the probably the cold air just hits him and makes him upset. I would imagine. I think so. Yeah, it's just a startle of like I was asleep in my bassinet and now I'm on the changing table. What happened? <laughs> yeah, no kidding. You flop him up there like a ham. You're like, oh, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, babies poo on themselves. It's great. Um, oh yes. All right, Katie. Listen, we're gonna end like this. Okay. You never considered even for a second naming him Scott once? Afraid not. Okay. It never even popped up as a joke. No, I did not. <sighs> but we were stuck on a middle name for a long time. So I should have tried harder to make it a contender. No, no, you shouldn't. I'm not <laughs> pushing for it. I just wanted to know seriously if there was a conversation where you ever looked at your husband and went, are we under any obligation to name this baby after the guy who made the podcast? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He probably would have, you know, felt Laughed a little you. weird about that. <laughs> you would a hundred percent think so. Yeah, I'd look at his son and be like, "Your name after a man that I really have no concept of." <laughs> I think someone named their dog my last name. So to that person, thank ah, you. that's a good uh, name for that's a dog. Close enough. I take it. I'm done. I'm yeah, done. I'm done pushing for these babies. I just really wanted to. I I seriously, as crazy as it sounds, I just wanted to know if even in passing you were ever at a restaurant, and you're like. You want to name him Scott after the guy on the podcast? He asks about it all the time. And so I'm glad it didn't, by the way. It shows good mental health on your part. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't have some like, um, what's it, that syndrome whenever you're um, kidnapped. Um, oh. I think the way you when you like, when you like fall in love with your kidnapper type of deal. Yeah. I have to Google because my brain just went blank. Hold on. Oh, what's it called? As soon as it pops up, I'm going to feel stupid for not knowing it. Stockholm Syndrome. Stockholm Syndrome. Yeah, I have Stockholm Syndrome with this podcast. I need a name. (laughs) It's a condition in in which hostages develop a psychological bond with their captors during captivity. This term was. I mean, I'm listening to you several hours a week, so it might work (laughs) into that. Should I start like whispering like commands in between words? Do you think that would work? (laughs) You never know. I mean, you do have quite the power if you ever tried to. uh, Change it for something a little evil. Let's try it here, Katie. Uh, U.S. (laughs) residents with type 1 or caregivers of type 1 should go to t1dexchange.org forward slash juice box and fill out the survey. There you go. I just did that because I get paid for that. I'm just teasing. I also think it's really great. Let me be clear now that I said it out loud and we all know I'm not going to edit anything out. Um, (laughs) I think the T1D Exchange is a really, really amazing organization. And I do want more people to add their data to it so that better decisions can get made for people. Look how quickly I got serious. So better decisions can be made for people with type one, but I do get a little hey, money when you do. <laughs> I've done it. I went and registered. So hey, thank you. I support it. You bought me lunch. I appreciate it. I that. did. <laughs> thank you. Um, we haven't missed anything. I don't think so. Cool. Uh, this is great. I can't wait to hear where you drop the ads throughout this podcast. <laughs> you're, you're a real listener. Oh yeah, yeah definitely. You care. Like I, I, the one I put up today with Chris Dudley. Uh, so I just started, it started automatically playing after my last podcast. I was like, maybe not listen to a podcast right before I interview, you know? Yeah, you don't want <laughs> to do what he did. But I, I, I asked him what it was like to play with Michael Jordan right before the ad. Uh-huh. But I let him answer a little bit before the ad played. And as I was finishing making the ads, I said aloud on the, on the recording, I was like, you, there's no way anybody thought I wasn't going to cut him off as soon as I asked the question, but I was like, For sure. that seemed mean. So, um, 
yeah, I, I'm a product of the, uh, the eighties. I know about, um, cliffhangers. I once had to wait an entire summer to find out who shot JR. So what do you think of that? Yeah. Don't have to do that now. Netflix. <laughs> those are words that are meaningless to you and most people listening. <laughs> but hopefully um, we'll see that pop up on Google. Who shot JR? People will be like, what does that mean? Yeah. Anyway, go find out. Also, okay. I wish it had anything to do with your episode because I would totally call the episode Who Shot JR. But instead, um, I'm, I'm leaning towards stuff like <laughs> it took miles and miles to ripen Katie's cervix. So it's, I don't <laughs> I don't think it's going to work out, but uh, uh, the words cervix ripening are the least attractive words I've ever heard in my entire life. <laughs> yeah, you're right. <laughs> and I imagine they are to you, too, now that you have context for what it means. For sure. <laughs> oh, my God. All right. Well, I'm going to let you go so that we don't start okay. talking about putting a pill in your vagina. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> A huge thank you to one of today's sponsors, Gvoke Glucagon. Find out more about Gvoke Hypopen at gvokeglucagon.com forward slash juice box. You spell that G-V-O-K-E-G-L-U-C-A-G-O-N dot com forward slash juice box. You use a blood glucose meter all the time. You might as well use an accurate one that is easy to carry, easy to use, and easy to see at night. Contournext.com forward slash juice box. Get yourself a Contour Next One blood glucose meter. Thank you so much for listening. I'll be back soon with another episode of the Juice Box Podcast. Oh, and a little heads up. There's a big episode coming up very soon. Make sure you're subscribed in your audio app, wherever you listen, your podcast app, Apple Music, uh, Spotify, uh, where else might people listen? Amazon Music, you know, wherever your app is. If you just like, you know, uh, I listen when I listen, hit subscribe or follow depending on your app because you don't want to miss what's coming. I promise I'm holding my hand up like I was in a courtroom on a television show and I swear to tell the truth, the whole truth and nothing but the truth. So help me God. And there's a big show coming up. If you're subscribed, you won't miss it. Let me be clear. When this episode I'm talking about pops up in the future on the front of your little phone, you see it pop up, your little heart's going to skip a beat. You're going to go, what's happening? I got to call out sick. Hello? (coughs) I can't come to work today. I need to listen to the, (laughs) oh no, I'm sick. Then you hang up the phone. You're not really sick. Turn on the podcast and you listen like intently. You probably sit in a dark room with your eyes closed so you can focus because that's the big deal that I'm talking about here. I got stuff coming. What am I saying to you? What am I saying? What am I saying? Listen to me. Listen to me. Get closer. Closer. Subscribe or follow in your podcast app. Trust me. When I'm this close to the microphone, it feels very intimate, even for me. So I'm freaking myself out. So I'm going to go. <laughs>